Welcome to Destination Marriage, a podcast about successfully navigating the winding roads of marriage. Whether you're newlyweds, engaged, looking to get married, or have been married for years, we want to share with you how we have navigated those winding roads over the past 19 years in our marriage. Join us on this journey as we talk about real life experiences in a marriage and what we have learned along the way. We discuss love, travel, fitness, raising kids, friendships, and much more, all from the perspective of our lives together. Happiness, love, grace, passion are some of the things we all strive for in a marriage, and we invite you to take this journey with us. Welcome Welcome to to Destination Destination Marriage. Welcome to episode 24 of Destination Marriage. I'm Jackie. And I'm Tommy. And we're thrilled to have you join us on this journey today. So I'm sure most of you have heard of The Five Love Languages. It is a wildly popular book amongst couples, and we both have enjoyed the insight that it's brought to our marriage. But today, it's all about The Five Love Languages of Children. Uh, Gary Chapman, who is the author of The Five Love Languages, um, also wrote The Five Love Languages for Children, um, but he teamed up with Ross Campbell, and their goal was to help parents gain a better understanding of how to meet the emotional needs of their children. Ross Campbell was a psychiatrist and the author of several books on parenting and child development. Um, unfortunately, he has passed away in 2012, but Over three decades, he provided counsel and a wealth of knowledge to thousands of parents. So before we jump into the application of this book for children, and for any of our listeners that haven't heard of the five love languages, let's go over each of them quickly. Number one is physical touch, Mm -hmm. words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. So you mentioned, you know, at the beginning that, you know, we've really kind of talked in applied this in our marriage quite a bit. Right. Um, so just to kind of kind of go over before we kind of jump in, you know, there's, I think we have really done a nice job as husband and wife really talking through these and some self realization as well as realizing how impactful and positive and negative mm-hmm. it is. And I think one of the things that I really took from it was how much I would, and this is what it talks about in the book is how much I would act out in love towards you through my vision or through my love languages. So acts of service mean a lot to me. Yeah. So I would think that, oh, well, that would mean a lot to Jackie. And not that you don't appreciate them. They're just, they don't speak to you the same way that quality time and um, gifts gifts do, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so for me, I also recognize that I need to change that. But I also, on top of recognize I need to, Mm-hmm. change you know how i speak to you if, with through love languages also recognize that the negative impact of withholding time from you has a profoundly more impact negative negative wise than if mm-hmm. i than if i just stop doing active service that wouldn't mean anything to you wouldn't impact you in a negative light so right it has been i think it's it's a really great read for all couples yeah. um you know obviously we read it probably a little bit later in our marriage um but you know even if you're an engaged couple it's it's really um i think it provides a lot of insight but you know to that as far as you know the negative impact yeah i mean it's not even done on purpose um but you can feel like wow, they're not recognizing the love language that I'm expressing because you're speaking a different language. So, you know, if you did an act of service, it's not, I wouldn't recognize it or appreciate it. But, um, and, and maybe even before reading the book, maybe I didn't even recognize that quality time is my number one love language. Yeah. It's not like you, you think in your head, oh, he's not speaking my love language. You're just real. You may think, wow, they really or I'm not feeling loved or wow, I feel really loved right now and right. maybe not even realize why, you know, other than the fact that you don't or do feel a certain way. Right. Well, I think it's, it's an excellent book. Um, and obviously, you know, if that love, the five love languages applies more to relationships as husband and wife. Um, so, you know, the one that we're going to focus on today for children, we thought, um, what a better way to really kind of set your child up for success in life and also in your home as husband and wife, as mom and dad, your family as a whole. And, you know, obviously this I'm sure would have been, um, an excellent tool if if maybe we had had this type of practice in our home as children. I mean, the book didn't exist then, but I'm just saying, right. you know, if our parents had done the very same thing, it could have had a huge positive impact on our relationship 
today or even when we first got married. So we thought this would be helpful um, to all your moms and dads out there. Yeah. And it's, I think it's really eye opening for us, right? Because mm-hmm. just initially thinking through that, we automatically apply it towards, like you said, relationships, our marriage, but it's almost so easy to not even think about it through the lens of, of how it impacts kids in the same way. Right. So Absolutely. this is great. This is good for us too, babe. I think so too. At yeah. least for me. I agree. You're a perfect mom. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm always a work in progress as a mom. And I think all moms, all moms and dads are, we're learning as we go along. But um, the book, I think um, one of the things that, and this applies to everyone, but you know, it obviously gives a different perspective on the emotional tank that we all have. Um, we're all created with an emotional tank and every person, um, regardless of your age, you have one. But realistically, when you're bringing a baby home, your baby, your infant does not know what its emotional tank needs. So, you know, you are you are that person who is their first teacher. You know, you're helping them develop what those what the emotional tank needs. So you need to at that time speak all of the love languages. And, you know, obviously it's much easier when they're a baby than when they're an adolescent or a teenager. <laughs> you know, babies are much it's much simpler. You know, they need to be held, they need to be fed, snuggled, and you know, I'm sure you say or you sing sweet things to your baby, but it's not as challenging as when they become hormonal teenagers. Um, <laughs> their needs become more defined and it's our jobs as parents to still fill their emotional tank but help them kind of fine tune what that looks like, help them understand what their needs really are. So filling their tank with each love language provides a strong foundation and will really help provide some guidance uh, for them to really learn what that true love language is. So what we thought we'd do is is kind of go through each one individually mm-hmm. and, and give kind of specific examples of things you can do in recognizing your child that are important if their love language is, is any of the number of any of the five. Well, they are going to be one of the five or more, right? right? I, would, I would hope they have at least <laughs> have one love no language. No love language. They don't receive love in any what, way. What are they, like the Tin Man? <laughs> is anybody in there? Um, so first one being physical touch, and, and obviously that's probably the easiest, um, you know, hugs and snuggle time. Um, as they get older, or if you have boys versus girls, and, you know, those 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 will evolve as far as what's imp- impactful mm-hmm. for boys and girls, you know, high five, simple things like that. Or even are, contact um, sports. Well, for boys specifically, mm-hmm. less so for girls, but certainly contact sports for girls, not, not diminishing that. It's just mm-hmm. definitely boys and guys speak more through that, like as a male thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, but for girls, it could be the same thing. It could be, you know, growing up when they're littler, you know, wrestling and just horseplay and just things like that matter. Right. They well, have, have you ever... impactful impact on their, on the child. Absolutely. Do you ever, um, do you remember as a kid, like sitting on your dad's back and he would give you like piggyback or like the horse ride? The horse ride? Oh yeah, of course. That's physical touch. But I mean, you think of it like, oh, that's silly fun. But that is, you know, filling their love tank or their emotional tank. You know, that's still a physical touch. It doesn't necessarily have to be a hug. You know, it can be silly things like that. Or even like, um, you know, when your mom as a girl, you know, brushes your hair at night or maybe puts curlers in your hair so you can have curly hair in the morning. Like that's still, that's a physical touch. It's still, it's an act of service as well. So maybe it's both, but little things like that. Um, and I, like I said, it's much simpler when they're a baby. It's, you know, rock them if they well, like the rocking chair. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it's a universal trait and it's scientifically proven that all babies need to be held and loved and and snuggle. So we're really kind of talking as they start developing. Right. Right. And, you know, they've done, there was, what was it when, uh, it was back in like World War One orphanages or something. They realized all these babies weren't developing well. And what they realized, just a simple act of holding the baby and rocking them for a few minutes mm-hmm. at night, like dramatically improved their, their development. So we're not really talking about like infancy and, and those types of things, but you know, how do you recognize that? Like you said, that that preteen or the the teenager or the eight year old, those types of, of scenarios, mm-hmm. you know, physical touch is still going to be important overall, but it's going to have less impact on certain children. Just like with our two boys, they, it was different. Right. You mentioned the rocking. It was totally different worlds for each of them. Right. And 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 the book actually talks about um, 
typically for boys between the ages of 9 to 11, which I think that can also shift. It's not That's not set in stone. But apparently between the ages of 9 and 11, boys will kind of shift away from wanting physical touch. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've all seen, or you know, if you have boys, maybe when you try to give them a hug, especially in public, you know, they'll kind of shrug it off or move away. They don't <laughs> want to be embarrassed. Um, and it doesn't mean that that's not their love language. It just means at that time, that's not a love language that is filling their emotional tank. And that that's why I'm saying when I mentioned earlier, this is something that can be changing over during those adolescent years and those teen years. Sure. So the second one being words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. And so some great examples are, are post-it notes on their mirror, um, just verbal recognition of their hard work, complimenting them on a job well done with chores, um, things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily verbally affirm them, like being a good friend or just mm-hmm. recognizing things that they do that are good that maybe, you know, it's not like we won the game. Okay. That one's easy to cheer for. Right. right. Or like, but yeah, like doing a good job on chores or doing what other examples would you could, could come to mind? Yeah. I think when you notice that your child maybe is, um, being a good listener to someone else and showing compassion. Um, you know, when you recognize that maybe they're, especially if they're a little kid and, and they shared a piece of their candy, you know, typically kids are selfish, you know, so that's something that you want to recognize and encourage them. Hey, I noticed that you shared with Bobby or whatever, or I noticed that you were really being a good listening ear and a support to your friend who you know needed someone to lift them up and give them an encouraging word. Mm-hmm. These are things that we want to encourage because we want them to obviously continue down that path as they become adults or young adults. I think like words of affirmation and moments when you wouldn't expect it or are stand out too. you know, times where maybe it's at the dinner table and you just randomly bring up something that you're really proud about, mm-hmm. you know, of your, your kid in front of everybody. Right. You know, things like that. You know, even if they say, you know, they're like you said, that nine to 11 boy that doesn't want the hug, maybe they, they kind of get annoyed that you're gushing over them, but secretly they're smiling on the inside. You know, I think so. I mean, and now, you know, obviously as kids get older, a lot of them may have maybe not at nine, but they might have a cell phone and, you know, sending them a little text mm-hmm. message like, I'm really proud of you. I want you to have a great day at school or. Yeah, it's a Whatever the compliment, it doesn't of, have to be post-it note. I think the post-it note is a really great idea to leave it on their bathroom mirror yeah, and start their morning with positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're basically setting the tone for the day. Yeah, I agree. I hope wholeheartedly. Quality time. Um, you know, as as life happens and they get older and they're they're busier and. Mm-hmm they want that time with their friends and they need that time with their friends and they want less time with you, but you still, it's our responsibility. I think as parents to like recognize the importance of quality time, especially if it's important to the kid, they may not realize Right. they may be what you don't want is them seeking it too much from outside influences. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you gave some great examples of, you know, lunch date, cooking together, a bike ride, um, a trip, the one-on-one time really makes them feel like they're the most important person. So yeah. like that one-on-one little trip, I think. Uh, I mean, I know that's probably a little bit more extravagant than a little breakfast date. But yeah, that's something that they would remember. This is actually in the book. It talks about quality time probably a little bit more than some of the other love languages because it can be a challenge, especially for busy parents. You know, if you're both working and your kids are involved in sports, not that sports are not considered a quality time, but it's really not one-on-one time. It's not. Or, you know, if you have five or six kids if you're having all of the kids five or six, I'm not saying in our household, but yeah, there are larger families that maybe have four or five or six kids. Right. And, you know, going to the grocery store with all of the kids, that's not considered quality time. We're really talking about that one-on-one time and it can be challenging, but here's the benefit of quality time versus maybe words of affirmation or even physical touch. It actually fills their emotional tank in more than one way because it creates an opportunity for other love languages to take place during that one-on-one time. So it's going to create a more comfortable setting for maybe conversations that your child wouldn't necessarily have with you with 
there are four other siblings around or other family members. Who are these, who are these five children I you keep referencing? I don't know. I'm not saying, trust <laughs> me, kidding. that ship has sailed, okay? We're happy with the two. But even with two, they both like to have that one-on-one quality time. It mm-hmm. may look different. You know, what obviously Brandon would enjoy to do is quality time or he would like to go. It's different than maybe what Dylan would want to do. But they still appreciate that one-on-one time. And it's even evident at times if I have you know, I'm sitting at a table with both of them. They both want my attention. So I know that there's a huge benefit to quality time. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel heard. And like I said, especially during adolescence or teenage years, that creates an opportunity for them to share things with you that you're not going to get maybe through a post-it note, you know, or a high five. Right. Quality time can fill the emotional tank even more so. That's something that I think parents, um, they're not intentionally not filling that emotional tank by keeping quality time away from the child, but it takes more effort. It's intentional effort. Yeah. Yeah, It really takes more effort. Life is busy. Everyone's Mm -hmm. busy. And even if it means scheduling, you know, once a month we have, remember Brandon and I used to go on like mommy and Brandon dates Mm -hmm. and we would like once a month go to like a movie or we would have our little French hot dogs. Yeah, we would go to this little (laughs) hot dog place. We actually were talking about it the other day, going again. (laughs) And I still remember he would get the same order. We would always get the same type of hot dog. He would always get the same milkshake. But he still remembers that he talks about it. That was a special time. It was a little, you know, hour and a half time, just mommy and Brandon. And kids really need that. And he was much younger then. We still do these things, but (laughs) he's older now. But during those formidable years, you need to have that connection with your child. Um, But quality time, you know, I think if we schedule dates like you and I, obviously, you know, we want to make sure we carve out time for one another or even friends or exercising. Um, We would encourage mom and dad to look at the calendar and regardless of whether or not, you know, your child, that's your love language. You need to fill the tank with the quality time. Mm -hmm. That's probably I think for kids it's going to be most beneficial. Yeah. So the next one is gifts, which is. uh little you know who doesn't love getting gifts as a kid so i think this one's probably one that has to be more a little bit more careful with mm-hmm. i think it can as, be an easy as one. parents it, i mean it could be easy but you know there's that fine line of uh giving a gift to show love and they receive it as love versus spoiling them mm-hmm. right and so as kids they need to learn to not just um not not to be expectant of gifts all the time. We don't have to go down the whole spoiled path and mm-hmm. discuss that. But I think um, as parents, I think it's important you control that, right? And as far as gifts for your child to speak love. But if you know that they are, you know, outside of Christmas or birthday or mm-hmm. things like that, if you know that, man, they, they just, they beam when you get a gift for them. Mm-hmm random times, you know, for a job well done or just because, um, it could be something small. It doesn't have yeah, to be something exactly. extravagant, but I think that's, I think as parents, you need to start recognizing that and kind of time those things to really speak into your kids' lives to really make them feel loved by mm-hmm. giving them gifts. I think maybe the ra- the more random, mm-hmm. maybe the better with this. I don't know. What do you think? Um, you know, I, th- okay. So as a kid, I think gifts were definitely my love language. Like we said, these are things that can change over the years. I don't know. What was your love language as a child? Was it gifts? Um, no, not really. They say a lot of children, uh, younger kids, tend to immediately react to gifts. It's well, kind everybody of easy. does, right? Like, who doesn't? Well, yeah, who, like I, I remember getting gifts. But I remember for you, like, when you talk about, you still talk about mm-hmm. some of the best moments you've had with your dad were time spent with him. You tell me about stories of time spent with him. Yeah. And things he would get you. Not to spoil you, but just... It was little things, It was little too. things, right? Yeah. And, like, you would go to the one toy store you remember you telling me about, and, like, he would let you pick something out, which was never extravagant. No. But then you would talk, also talk about the walks to school with right. your dad in the morning. And we think would about stop that. and That's get, from like, donuts. 32 years ago, and you're still, like, those are the things that, that mattered to you then. Right. They matter to you now. That's true. Right? I didn't... Did you recognize that then as a child? I... Yes, I recognize that I liked going to the toy store. Well, of course. <laughs> I guess more about the quality I remember getting time, catalogs. I, yeah. I remember getting catalogs. Do you remember getting the catalogs? The Sears catalog? Heck and yeah. I would circle all kinds of things oh, in that geez. catalog. Now I just save it in my, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Wish list on Amazon. Wish list on Amazon. <laughs> but before Amazon, yeah, I would circle all kinds of things. 
but at the same time, looking back, you know, now that I understand the love languages, that was definitely feeling more than just buying gifts because it was a quality time, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't things that were something that you would only ask Santa for, you know, like a big Christmas gift, but little things. Or even I remember um, he would pick me up from school and we would go get um, a box of Cracker Jacks. Which would have the little, uh, the tattoo, which I'm sure is probably poisonous now, right? Um, the tattoo that you would lick. Remember mm-hmm. that? No. <laughs> I don't remember the lickable tattoo. Yeah, it was like a lickable tattoo. There was always tattoo. some random little you would stick knickknack it. in there. but Yeah, you would lick it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that they do lickable tattoos anymore. Right. <laughs> Just lick it. <laughs> Just some lead poisoning. Um, but I remember doing that and getting, you know, a candy, like a lollipop. Or we would stop at the little store. Like, little things like that. Yeah, that definitely was my love language. And it probably was teeing things up for my desired quality time. So lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's important to, for me to know, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, it's, but mm-hmm. it's important for, to know for the, for your kids too. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think for, for Brandon, it's exponentially more important than it is for Dylan. A hundred percent. Quality time is his yeah. love language and has been for years. Um, I think Dylan likes gifts more than Brandon does. Yes. Yeah. Right. Dylan's definitely more gifts. Um, and I, but I think it's that one still kind of, he's, you know, he's at an age where he's still kind of figuring (laughs) that out, but you can't go wrong with gifts. (laughs) Right. It's, it's, but at the same time, if you know, you know that, and this is more about how do you, you know, fill their tank. Right. Mm -hmm. If you know that like they, it's not that they don't appreciate gifts. It's like, it just doesn't matter that much to them. It's not gonna, they're not going to remember that in 20 years. Then, then it's not something you should focus on right. as a parent as far as that is concerned, right? Yeah, and I think it also, um, you know, in the book, it did highlight the fact that um, sometimes parents will lean towards gifts when they feel that it's challenging to maybe express the other love languages. And that's where it can get dangerous when you think you are filling your child's love tank by purchasing items and letting them know, I love you. Well, don't you know I love you? I just bought you this toy. And, you know, you're kind of also laying a really dangerous groundwork that there to confuse them with what real love is. Right. Um, and then also as the parent, um, that's when you need to take a step back and, and recognize that you need to put some work into this and, and really pay yeah, attention. I think, I think for kids as parents, this one's probably the, the biggest challenge mm-hmm. of not of not going down a bad path with it, like you just said. I think this is definitely something that mm-hmm. as parents you need to be careful of. Right. Because then a child, if they start going down that, um, well, gifts means love mm-hmm. always. And if you're in a position where maybe you can't purchase a gift at that time, then it could really backfire. Well, you don't love me. You know, you're not buying me this new video game or whatever it is, you know, um, that can, you know, yeah, this is a tough one. Slope. Yeah. This is a tough one. It really can be. Yeah. I mean, it's tough as adults, but it's, it's, it's easier to recognize and to manage, I guess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So acts of service is also, um, like you mentioned, you know, that's something that is really one of your love languages. Um, not really mine, but it, I think it's, I appreciate it, but it is something that with acts of service actually, um, is a little bit different for children. And I love the perspective that they gave in the book. And I didn't think of it this way now as an adult, but when we think about acts of service, and when we do these things for our children, like making them uh, a special meal or maybe decorating their room really, you know, nice for Christmas or for the holidays, doing little things, you know, that are just special outside of the everyday needs, right? We're actually teaching them as we're doing those things for them. We're showing them how to be a servant to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think of it that way, but you're also you're planting those seeds for them to have a servant's heart. I think that's important. So just by, do you think of it that way or I hadn't put it in that perspective? Mm-hmm. I, Cause when I, if, when I think of, okay, if I'm going to teach my child how to have a servant's heart, I would actually think more externally showing them and doing things for others mm-hmm. as servants, whether it's whatever that is volunteering or whatever, but it makes, makes sense. Right. If you're just showing them, What's that balance, though, of, again, kind of the gifts thing is like, what's that balance of doing everything for your kid versus teaching them to be Mm self-sufficient? I mean, I don't know. What's that balance? 
Well, and we're not strictly talking about the things, like I said, that are everyday. Obviously, Dylan, at his age, at this moment in time, is not going to go grill up a steak. Okay, so like for me to make a steak because he loves steak, you know, would be acts of service. Mm -hmm. Like he would appreciate me making his favorite meal that he can't necessarily make himself. For Brandon, because he's older, an act of service would be Brandon coming over and me teaching him how to make his favorite meal because then I'm not robbing him of actually learning or handicapping him, you know, from learning something new, but I'm using time and effort to teach him so he can learn exactly how to make his favorite thing. But he still sees that mom is pouring into him or dad's pouring into him. When, For example, if you were to teach him how to change a tire, that's mm-hmm. an act of service. Okay. Makes sense. I'm just trying to like, as I think through that mm-hmm. and applying it as a parent, how do you do that versus just, you need to learn this so you can survive and as an adult. Survival <laughs> mode. Well, I mean, <laughs> being able to change a tire, you know, it's not That's always just called Geico, right? I mean, it's... I don't know how to change a tire. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, we didn't have a car, okay? We didn't have a car in New York City. Very I knew true. how to get on the train, okay? But <laughs> I didn't know how to change a tire. I mean, right. what tire was he going to teach no, me No, you on? would just and... call me or call Geico, so... Yeah, you, there's you're no, covered. I don't think my dad would have said, hey, let's teach you how to change a tire anyways. But um, so <laughs> with that being said, though, because acts of service is obviously one of your love languages and most people have a top two. Do you remember as a child where you thought, wow, my mom and dad do these, you know, acts of service for me and it makes me feel loved. It makes me feel secure. I know they love me because they do a certain act of service. Man, I don't know. That's a tough one. We've talked about on the on the on the podcast quite a bit about it's really been the last few years where I've kind of learned more about myself emotionally. So mm-hmm. it's hard to like stuff that I just glossed over and didn't think through when I was a kid. I didn't recognize things as a kid. I think the big mm-hmm. thing for me probably was if I look now that I know that acts of service are, are a big deal is the mm-hmm. time that my parents poured into my sports. Okay. That was significant. That was a lot of time mm-hmm. when I look back on it, you know, a lot of time because we live 20 minutes outside of the, from both, both big sets of fields. So man, mm-hmm. it's a lot of driving. It's a lot of evenings. My dad was either coaching. My mom was either, you know, dropping us off, picking us up, driving all over town because he had two of us. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of time. Yeah. And that's really the big one if I think. You know, but you didn't think about it as a child. You're thinking of it now or recognizing it, recognizing now. it now, but okay. not as a child. Like as I'm driving to the field, my parents really love me because they're sacrificing their time to mm-hmm. take me to the field. Right. Well, I think it's interesting in the book, you know, um, obviously due to time, I can't go through each and every short story, but it has a number of short stories where they ask children and with each and every love language, um, how do you know your parents love you? And so they give an example of a child that they asked that maybe is like nine or 10, how do mm-hmm. you know your parents love you? And they'll give an example of an act of service. So that's why I was curious, you know, if they had asked me at nine or 10, I don't know if I would have been like, what? I, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been that in tune to what my love language was at that age. I think you would have, you would, no, I, I disagree. I bet you, you would have immediately talked about all the time that your mom mm-hmm. spends with you or your dad spends with you. I bet, mm-hmm. I, knowing you, I just, I think you would have jumped right over that. Well, I know really? my mom loves me because she takes me to, you know, here and my dad takes me here and yeah. we, get, we spend all this time together. We play games together. We whatever. I think you would have jumped all over that. Maybe. I could definitely see how sports was really the core foundation for a lot of the love languages that were that you received from as a child. Um, and that even counts as physical touch. I mean, well, I don't know. What would you say? If you're playing ball with your dad, is that physical touch? Or, I mean, I guess sports in general that... could be can, kind of considered that, but it's not actual physical touch a lot of times. I mean, football or certain sports might be, but not mm-hmm. baseball necessarily. But like at the end of a game, would your dad put his arm around you? And oh, of like, course. Good job, son. Mm-hmm. Right? I think I've seen him do that. So, you know. That's also words of, well, you got everything, words of affirmation, quality time, and physical touch all in a baseball game. There you there go. You go. <laughs> See, it all comes back down to baseball. It does. When Hold, it, when please. When it boils down to. You just need to play baseball with your kids. <laughs> You'll check all the boxes. So what would you say the benefits and purpose of learning your child's love language are? What would you say? Just. Well, I think the big one is, you already hit on it, right? It's filling their love tank is built this, is you have, it's preparing them to be more well-rounded and, um, as 
adults Mm -hmm. and for the rest of their lives. Um, I mean, we kind of talked about like four specific topics, like where it's, where it's beneficial. Like, so within the home, Mm -hmm. um, it makes for maybe a more peaceful home, Mm -hmm. right? If, if I recognize as a dad, what are my love languages and how I, you know, act with you as my wife and as, you know, now we've got mom and dad sort of managed, if you will. And then you have the kids seeing that, right? And so they see a mom and dad that love each other and, and are constantly serving each other. Mm-hmm. It It's going to create a, a better home in general, but I think for for the kids, it's mm-hmm. hopefully you can avoid maybe some, some longer droughts of... of areas where your kid is you're at conflict with your kid and you can't really figure it out maybe it's Mm -hmm. because you're speaking out and harming them unintentionally exponentially because you're you're really hurting them by maybe verbal verbal lashing out or speaking out in anger Mm -hmm. and if they're really sensitive to words of affirmation you're doubling down on them in a negative way right Mm -hmm. versus so that's i think the big thing is just that peace in the home and Mm -hmm. you know yeah, there oh, well. are a lot of things, especially, um, you know, every child is different. And yeah. so some children um, may unfortunately suffer from different anxieties. There could be things going on in school yeah. um, that they then bring home. And a lot of times it ends up, uh, they den- then develop maybe anger issues. So, you know, it is proven and, and they had actually had several children in the book that maybe were having some difficulty in school where their teacher had, or maybe coach, brought it to the attention of the parent um, that they were having difficulty in class, having difficulty with others, getting along with others, very angry, uh, maybe disrespectful. And after really taking a look at their child and maybe kind of studying the different love languages and pouring into their child's emotional tank, they saw things start to move in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Because when a child feels secure, safe, confident, these are things that build self-confidence. So Every kid's going to go into middle school and teenage years with just the normal insecurities that every middle schooler has or teenager has. So if you're, like I said earlier, you know, before a child leaves for school, if you're giving them a hug or positive words of affirmation, you're setting that tone, they're leaving the house with that confidence, knowing that mom and dad love them. Mom and dad are going to be there when they get home. So they have, they have that backup, Mm -hmm. you know, they feel like home is a safe place. Sure. So I think it's really important to with whatever the love language is and pouring their filling, filling their tank to recognize that this or without doing these things, it can negatively impact them in other areas of their life. Not just with your personal relationship with your child, right. but at school, on a sports team yeah. with friends, you know, and like I said, if they have anxiety or other anger issues, um, you know, this is something that could potentially be a really useful tool to start healing those areas that may be hurting. So we, we talked about the home. We talked about with, with kind of outside the home with friends and um, school and mm-hmm. those types of situations. And then I think the last two, you know, if we look at the four different areas, I guess three and four are similar, right? So you have future boyfriends or girlfriends and then future spouses. Right. Right. And we've we've hit on the spouse piece. How do you yeah. think it applies more specifically for boyfriends, girlfriends, where there's not that level of commitment yet, mm-hmm. but you're just getting to know someone or you're just started dating you know, how do you think it applies kind of effectively there? I mean, I think in looking back at when we were dating, it would have benefited us both to understand the love languages and for me to understand like words of affirmation or that's something that you're really sensitive to. Um, because when we were dating, we were high school and we were immature, you know. Like, you were, I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you just are. You're, you know, we were 15. And mm-hmm. so... I think even just having a basic understanding of what that looks like, maybe um, we would have maybe avoided some of the silly arguments we would have had, maybe be more in tune and more sensitive to the other person's needs. Um, and obviously that changes on a completely different level when you're husband and wife. Right. Different. But I, I do think if, if your child is dating and they already have an understanding of love languages, maybe they will spend less time in a toxic relationship and recognize what a healthy one is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, can't, you don't get time back. So this can only help them be more effective with their time and really identify the right person for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, like you said, and we've been, we've talked about kind of at length, we don't need to maybe 
go into it any much any any more, but it it takes on a whole new level as husband wife because mm-hmm. if you're now a lifetime with that person, right? If you choose to, you can really hurt the other pe- person mm-hmm. by use by knowing this and using as using those as weapons versus using it to build them up mm-hmm. and to strengthen your relationship. Right. So like when you don't buy me gifts, no. <laughs> <laughs> And when you curse at me and tell me how terrible I am all the time, then (laughs) see when you say that I can't make a pancake to save my life, see that'll roll right off my back because I don't. It's not words of affirmation. Keep it. It's not my love language. I think you you admitted you can't make a pancake to save your life. That is a self admission. I did, but you 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 definitely solidified that. No, your solidified pancake solidified that. Can also use them as weapons. <laughs> what you do? You throw them at me and give me cuts on my forehead. It's um, a love tap. It's a pancake love tap. That's not a tap. That's a <laughs> that's a hurting. So we kind of hit on it, but I think the really important piece with respect to the five love languages and kids around discipline, the really important mm-hmm. component of that is as a parent, really make sure you're not using that as a weapon. You know, pancakes, one thing, but like verbally lashing out at your, your child and knowing that it's, you know, really going to hurt them more than it would hurt the other for, even if you say the same thing and recognizing that, I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's really important to, to monitor that as a, as a parent or, you know, I mean, obviously lashing out or verbally saying something is, is the easiest, but I don't know so much as like withholding gifts, but I think you could also do it like if you withhold time together or something that you were planning on doing with your child, mm-hmm. you know, and then you use that as like punishment where we're not doing that anymore, man, that could right. really have a bad and exponentially negative impact mm-hmm. that's not necessary to kind of get your point across or to. Right. And discipline is obviously necessary and it is a part of loving your child, you right. know, especially if you're going to stop them in their tracks from, you know derailing their entire life or harming themselves or someone else or a relationship or what have you. But I will say, I think it's something that I, I don't think parents do it intentionally um, unless, you know, that parent has other issues, but I don't think parents do it intentionally. It, it could be a knee jerk reaction where you right. yell and you yell something that could in your mind you think is warranted because of their behavior, but they can shut down immediately. And then, Especially, you know, if teenagers can become very angry and it can trigger other rebellious behavior. Um, but, you know, robbing them of a hug or a pat on the back or, you know, sending them to their room and isolating them and not talking to them when quality time is their love language. You know, these are all things that we need to be mindful of not doing mm-hmm. while still disciplining them. Right. You know, still discipline them for whatever the act was um, of their bad behavior. But not using their love language to against them, right? And and also recognize not just not just the negative piece, but also like recognizing where you can be more impactful to mm-hmm. get a positive. You know, like you said, it's a it's it is a it's a discipline should be an act of love mm-hmm. as a parent. So, like, if I know that if Brandon and Dylan were the same age and mm-hmm. and they both did the exact same thing, and I send both of them to the room for the rest of the night without, you know, whatever, without their, without their phones or computer or TV, mm-hmm. like that's going to hurt Brandon more than it would hurt. It, Brand, Dylan might be like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, that's it. That's He'd all. Be like, Bye. <laughs> you know, cause he's more independent. He, you know, he's, you know, whereas Brandon, that quality time would feel like you're cutting him off from our love. Yeah. Right. Quality I mean, time just, would have been, yeah. You know, really s- hurtful to him if we had, Use that as a tool. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Whereas for, I think for Dylan, if we like took away a gift that was given to him Mm -hmm. versus Brandon, I think it would have a much more impactful, like it'd be more impactful for, for Dylan than Brandon. Right. I don't know. There's, I'm sure we could come up with a thousand different ideas, but I think the theme, the idea is being very mindful as a parent, Mm -hmm. how you discipline, how you're disciplining your children and, and what impact that has versus finding the right path to still punish when needed, but, you know, ultimately get them to, mm-hmm. to improve or get on the right path. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So 
obviously, um, you know, if you haven't read the book or maybe your children are older, um, I do want to encourage everyone. It's not too late. And if you don't know what their love language is, here are some ideas. Um, you know, the book actually goes over a few things that you can do to maybe um, identify what their love language is and still giving them all five love languages because, again, they're developing mm-hmm. these love languages. But here are a couple of things, you know, that um, that Gary Chapman had shared. And I thought, you know, these, these are really great things that I didn't even notice that maybe even if I was doing this, that I was also, um, you know, kind of identifying what that love language was for, for either one of the boys. So mm-hmm. one of them would be observe how they express love to you as the parent. And, you know, so if you know that um, your child's maybe asking you a question um, about, you know, did I do a great job on the lawn? You know, I don't know if the boys ask you that, but hey, dad, did I do a great job on the lawn? Do, do they say no. that to you? <laughs> um, or, you know, maybe your child won't necessarily come up and give you a big hug. Maybe they're like, um, come and they tickle you or they punch you in the arm or like joking. But maybe that's their sign that, hey, you know, physical touch is their love language. Mm-hmm. Or they need those words of affirmation because they're looking for you to confirm that, hey, they did a great job and you're proud of them. Um, so observing how they express love to you as a parent um, would be the first one. And then observe how, how observe how they treat others when they're with their friends. Do they do they get excited about you know getting their friend a birthday gift or um, do they are they a great listener? Are they encouraging with their words, especially if they're on a team? You know, I think Dylan is very um, and words of affirmation may be something for him. But I've noticed when he's part of a team that he is uh, very uplifting with his team members. He is, mm-hmm. yeah. And for Brandon, I think, you know, you talk about, hey, Dad, did I do a good job on the lawn? Like, you know, <laughs> that one in particular, no. They haven't asked you that? No, but you know what? Brandon seeks that out more. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he'll ask. It won't be very specific, but he'll ask questions to kind of get some affirmation from us. Mm-hmm. Verbally. Did right? you? Did you ask your dad about the lawn? <laughs> I don't remember. It was, <laughs> But you have to understand, like, us doing the lawn, it was a, it was a, it a was chore. a project. Yeah. It was not a, not like our yards with these little cookie cutter houses we all live in now in suburbia. Yeah. We had three acres and it was a lot of grass to what mow. What were you using? What was that? Uh, what's the push, the push, uh, lawn? No, no. The one that it spins around. What no, is that called? No, we did not have, we had a, we had a riding lawnmower. Thank you very much. Wait, what is that one called? Is it just called a push lawnmower? You know, my dad actually had one in our garage because he couldn't, get, he can't get rid of anything. So <laughs> he had one growing up, probably still has it buried somewhere. You just in case, just in case the engines go, you know, they Never all, know. they all fail. Never know. You have to be prepared. <laughs> we had a sickle too, by the way. Did you use a sickle? Yeah. as like a weapon and goofing around. <laughs> it was really dangerous. It should that not have been like, in our shed. That sounds really safe for children to play with. Yeah. It's very dangerous. Cause you, you know, you swing that thing. You take a head off of someone decapitate it that. Could. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh dear. Again. But my dad grew up like with sickles and that whole, you know, push mower thing that like spun. We yeah. would take it out and goof around with it, but I think they should have made you really mow the lawn with that. Yeah, well, it would have made I'd for a still, really great story. Now I could tell I'd your grandkids. Still be mowing. That's the problem. <laughs> you, you would know, learn take, hard work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the other one um, that they also mention is paying attention to their requests. So if they're looking for words of affirmation, yeah. but paying attention to the requests if they're also asking for, let's say. Um, you know, some one-on-one time, Hey dad, will you come out and, you know, practice my soccer, you know, whatever technique or, or if throw they, the ball around. Hey, or, will you help, help me make this for my friend? I want to give them this, or I want to make something for someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, um, I don't know if Dylan had asked you for, did he ask you for the treehouse? Was that a request? Man, I don't remember. That might've been me living vicariously through him. Oh, you asked him for the treehouse. <laughs> He's like, do you mind if I build you a treehouse so I can get satisfaction out of it? <laughs> sure, Dad. <laughs> well, they love the zip line now, don't they? That's true. I think everybody does, but it's, yeah, apparently all of the neighborhood kids. Yeah, it's like the hangout, I guess. Now this treehouse. Um, well, the other thing um, that also mentions is giving them options between two love languages. So if you have a child that, like, obviously these are ideas to identify their love languages, and mm-hmm. you're really unsure. Maybe they're not giving a lot of feedback. Uh, not every kid's, you know, a talker, or very communicative. So let's just say they're kind of in that stage. You're like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, you know, giving them a couple of options like, hey, Dylan, or 
hey, Bobby or Sally or whatever, would you like to on Saturday go fishing or would you like for dad to fix the tire on your bicycle, right? So you're giving them an option of either quality time without them knowing or an act of service. And so if you do that time and time again, then you can actually see a pattern of the things that they see value in, what their love language is that they really appreciate or they, they lean towards. That'd be interesting to kind of test those types of scenarios. We should try it. Because I think Dylan's more of an enigma than Brandon. I think we got Brandon clocked. <laughs> I know what Brandon's love language is, 100%. Yeah. We have had him longer than we've had Brandon. Dylan, though. Indeed. <laughs> Dylan is still, you know, he's still in that adolescent stage. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things that actually mentions um, that it, it would take more time and effort, but if none of these things are really working and you feel like, gosh, you know, all of these are failing, I really don't know what my child's love language is. It does actually have, and in in, in towards the tail end of the book, a 15-week challenge. Um, I would encourage you to read that chapter if you feel as though you have no clue what the love language is of your child. And it, it kind of breaks it down. Every two weeks, you take a shift on um, asking different questions, doing different um, activities or um, different you know, acts of service, words. It'll give you different ideas over 15 weeks. So it is a, it's a long challenge, but it has proven to be successful. And I believe every two weeks, that's when you kind of shift into a new love language. So um, you know, there are some good tools in there on, on how to help you identify your child's love language. Mm-hmm. Well... These are great ideas, babe. I think this is a, a really fun topic and really impactful. Because mm-hmm. um, like we talked about as parents, it's so easy to just, you know, you you want to be consistent as, as a, when you're disciplining your kids. You know, you don't want to show favorites, if you will. But disciplining differently doesn't mean you're showing favorites necessarily, right? So mm-hmm. I think now we're not in that stage anymore because Brandon moved out and he's older. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like we have a... a a 12 and a 10 year old where you're maybe you're dealing with the same situations or five or six or five kids. or seven. Yeah. Well, apparently this five or six child household that we <laughs> not sure. That about. would be a lot to juggle. Think about doing quality time for five kids. Yeah. Right. If all of them had the same love language, that would be really what it'd be a lot. Yeah, it would. That would be really Bless challenging. Bless all you moms and dads that have or all five, five one or gifts. Kids. Or all five want gifts. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, all five all will want gifts, but That's I think true. it's That's just kind of a given. The, the gift one is yeah, we talked about that, but I think um, you know, for us as parents, if we kind of as we kind of wrap up this conversation today, yeah, it's been helpful. I think with especially with Brandon, you mm-hmm. know, recognizing what's really important to him as he's um, matured and you know moved through the teenage years, but. You know, for Dylan, I think it's uh, it's definitely something that we have to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. And again, he's kind of that 13 adolescent stage where. Right. He's still figuring out a lot of different things. Right. And he's also kind of in that stage of, you know, even if physical touch means a lot to him and, and makes him feel secure. He he's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know. he squirms. Not, but he'll, but Don't you know what, though? Don't have me in public. <laughs> yeah. In public, definitely. But definitely he definitely was still. That's not cool. I saw him just yesterday come up and proactively give you a hug in no, the kitchen, remember? At home. Yeah. Yes, of course. But, you know, I think the only thing that's acceptable, like on the soccer field, is maybe a high five. Yeah. Maybe. And it's interesting that he doesn't like us to cheer for him on the field. Oh, yeah. No words of affirmation either are acceptable on the soccer field. Can't even say, great job. Nothing. I must sit in silence and cheer <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> we'll cheer, but not, you know. I, I definitely don't coach from the sidelines. Yeah. Because that'll just may and rile them up. Him yeah. And rage. It's funny though when when we see other parents yelling at their kids and they the parent the kids the kids on the team won't turn and like give their parent. The yeah, death I've stare. seen that. <laughs> it must just be that age group then. It happened just the other day with uh, with one of the um, kids one on Brandon's kids on and team. Dylan's team. That was yeah. hilarious. We all laughed. All the other parents were like, funny. "Oh, did you see that look?" And yeah. The mom was laughing about it, but. Anyhow, but you know, I think for us recognizing, I think the big, the big takeaway for me that I hadn't really focused as much attention on is is, as far as how I'm going to apply this is really making sure I'm not using things, recognizing if, if something I'm about to do as a discipline action is going to have a, a a much more negative impact than it is a positive one as far as Mm -hmm. trying to change them or whatever that discipline is trying to do. Right. You know, so 
I'm going to be much more cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, well, I think mine really probably applies more for Dylan because I think I have a really good understanding of Brandon's love language. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously I didn't read this book when he was an adolescent. We just, we weren't aware of, of the book. And, mm-hmm. but, um, I think I have a good understanding of what really fills his emotional tank. Um, but for Dylan, actually, I'm going to probably use a couple of these tools and maybe give him some options just to try to understand. Cause I I honestly don't know really which one right, right now is filling his emotional tank because he is going through a transition as a 13 year old. You know, when he was a little baby, he loved back scratches. He's not gonna let me do that anymore. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think for me, I need to think of some other creative ways as his mom, because I think also if you have older children, sometimes you naturally gravitate. I know I do. I naturally gravitate towards what the other child's love language was yeah because i've already fallen into that pattern i understand how to give that love language i you know i see the benefits of it and so then i start repeating the very same thing so like you mentioned every child is different i need to take a step back fine-tune that and really start giving some options to dylan so i can really understand what his love language yeah, is. that's a good idea yeah so that's what i'm so if i do. hear you and dylan would you want this or this i know exactly what's going on he does not want me to change the tire on his bike. Okay. That would be a danger zone. <laughs> I won't give that as an option. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we hope this was uh, helpful for you. I think it was a great discussion for us as, as in our home. And hopefully that some of the, you know, some of the topics were impactful for you as, as a listener and definitely encourage you to go out and, and get the book. And, you know, it's been around for a long time, but it's definitely a, a great read and really helps to frame up a lot of maybe unknowns in your own life or your own mm-hmm. children's lives. So we hope it was good for you. Absolutely. So again, it's the five love languages um, for children by Gary Chapman. Um, you can find it on, if you have a Kindle, um, I think you can download it on audible as well. So yeah. definitely give it, it's a quick read. Um, it's not a lengthy book, but yeah. a lot of really good pearls in there. Thanks for listening guys. Thanks guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if so, please continue to listen and subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We would greatly appreciate positive reviews, and we will answer any questions at feedback at destinationmarriagepodcast.com. For up-to-date content and news about the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at destination underscore marriage and visit our website at destinationmarriagepodcast.com. Be sure to tune in next week.